0: Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storm on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.
1: No investigation necessary.
0: Welcome to VEASAN's F1 Betting Podcast.
1: It's lights out, away we go, go, go. Oh, checker is a legend.
2: Absolute animal.
0: The only F1 handicap you'll ever need.
2: Life
1: is right. But the championship can only be won by one.
0: Here are your hosts, F1 Technical Analyst, Mikhail Miranda, and betting expert, Ben Wilson.
2: Hey everybody, and welcome in. It's the latest edition of the VEASAN Formula One Betting Podcast. Back alongside Mikhail Miranda, as always, our VEASAN technical expert, is what we're calling him this year. I'm Ben Wilson. It is an absolute pleasure, though, to start the show a little bit different than normal. And we're doing this partially because of the controversy at the end of the race where Fernando Alonso gets a belated 10-second penalty, drops out of the podium... Uh, and we welcome in a man who really needs no introduction, but it's uh, such a pleasure to have him on the show. It's Johnny Avello, the DraftKings Sportsbook Director. Johnny, so good to see you. Thank you so much for doing this. And uh, F1, it's now something that has absolutely exploded, I'd have to think, betting-wise, um, just for for the entire clientele you guys deal with there over at uh, DraftKings, really over the past two, three seasons, I would imagine, really.
3: Yeah, it has. First of all, hi, Ben and Mikhail. Good seeing you guys. Uh, you know, when I go back and look at my tenure in the bricks and mortar uh, locations, you know, we, we put up F1. It wrote very little money, certainly, you know, didn't rival a NASCAR uh, betting race. But uh, now with DraftKings and being as many locations as, as we are in, uh, you know, we're reaching F1 followers. And so therefore, uh, the handle is much, much different than it was, uh, you know, at my retail location in Las Vegas
4: absolutely like that's something that's uh that's been interesting a lot especially with the new Netflix series Drive to Survive I know Ben this last episode he's like oh i finally caught up on that Johnny are you interested in the Drive to Survive Netflix series or no uh
3: yeah yeah i, I would say you know i'm being in the sports book business i would say that i'm kind of interested in everything uh but you know i have to put my priorities in in certain areas because you have to concentrate on, on things that are going on, you know, at this time that are writing the most money, but I'm kind of interested in everything out there.
2: Johnny's a purveyor of everything, Mikhail. You, you come on, you should know the guy, he's been in the business long enough. All right. He's going to have a pulse on drive to survive wall, you know, simultaneously while he's booking NBA and NHL action. So come on, Mikhail, you should, you should have known the, uh, the, <laughs> the answer there. Yes, Johnny, I did. I did finally get caught up It. I've also been, uh, you know, been pulled in other directions with the sports I cover, so I was a little bit delayed. Finally got caught up on uh, Drive to Survive a couple weeks ago with, the, with every single episode. So let's just get into the, the meat and potatoes from last week that I think a lot of people had questions on and are now wondering. It's also just a good lesson for the betters going forward, where you get a guy in Fernando Alonso who gets a podium, was a very popular bet with how fast the Aston Martin has been to start the year, but gets a belated. He even gets the, gets the champagne shower on the podium. I'm sure a lot of people turned off the race. So they thought they had it won. There was a little discussion on the broadcast about a potential penalty. Uh, we kind of thought it might have been five seconds, and he was five seconds clear of the third place of the fourth place finisher. So thought it wouldn't really matter. That does not end up being the case. It's a 10-second penalty. Alonzo moves out of the podium, and that was, uh, a ruling was placed post-mortem after the race was over. So how did that all work out for you with the sports book, and what do betters need to know on this sort of stuff going forward?
3: You know, we have to put rules up uh, on every sport we do. And you have to remember that some of these races are settled the next day uh, as far as a rule, you know, it'll be a penalty against somebody that'll take place 24 hours later. And, you know, we can't afford to hold off on everybody's money. So we have to make a decision quickly on what we're going to do. And the way we do that is we put rules in place. Now, in this particular instance, the rules said that all markets will be settled by the official results from the website of the league's relevant governing body at the time of the podium present podium presentation so that's what we did the podium presentation uh you know we we followed exactly what we saw that the website presented and then we go on and say any subsequent inquiries or disqualifications after the podium presentation will not affect what the settlement was that we put up so that's our rule um it's pretty standard, I would think, across the industry. But, uh, you know, we have to have rules so that we can pay out on that day. Uh,
4: that's true because like, uh, down here, I know Draftings is still not available in Las Vegas where Ben and I are. Uh, so we have a different other sportsbooks out here. And I know first when I went to go searching up all the sportsbooks for a uh, batting Formula One, I came across Resorts World where they said hey, w- it depends wherever you finish in the race, not the official rulings. Like, the races, because with the official rule, you can have the 10-second penalty still added on, and then they classify you there as well, which is what we saw while all all the drivers were going for the media conferences. We saw the uh, trophy get taken away from Fernando Alonso to George Russell, and then after the petition from Aston Martin, they said, yeah, no, Aston Martin is right. Uh, they have a right of review. Everything is working well. So they have gone and overturned the decision. The The other thing to me, Johnny, is... When we're watching the race, we get these updates. sort of a bit delayed, but we can see them in the race if you if you buy the subscription to F1. I know if you watch it through ESPN, you don't get that. Uh, what are the feeds that the sportsbook looks at and how are they getting the information to say, okay, maybe this penalty is coming post-race, so we should be ready for this. Is there anything that you at the sportsbook do just to prepare yourself like, for any of the stuff that comes up?
3: Well, remember what I said that all markets will be settled by the official results from the website. So if you go to the website, you'll see a sheet there that shows who the winners were at the place, the winners and the placement. Uh, you know, Perez, Verstappen, Russell, Alonso. I mean, that's the way the sheet was sent out. Uh, it also goes on to say at the bottom about the 10 second penalty. So that's what we follow. Now, one thing I will tell you. Miguel, is that the um, rules are different at different sports books. Uh, not a, Most of the time you'll see the, the, a rule be consistent in probably 90% of sports books, but once in a while somebody wants to do it a little different. And that is fine if they want to do that. That's up to them. It's their book and they can change the rules if they'd like. Um, and this happens uh, across many different sports in the industry. Um, this is a rule that we feel that is fair, and uh, and the way to do it where we can get the payouts quickly, and uh, this is the one that we find to be more most beneficial for us. Yeah, makes
2: sense. Uh, ironically, in the end, we get the U-turn. after the, They give them the penalty, and then they're like, actually, as Mikhail was just laying out, actually, no. So it all uh, it all worked out in the end. Uh, and but I'm like, this is not the first time. We'll not be the last. We have one of these con- controversies, as they say across the pond, Mikhail, come up. Are you guys uh, am I am I naive to think that John you guys are just knee deep in uh, Verstappen future's money right now I mean it seems like everybody it seems like everyone is all over him I know you, I saw you rose your price to a minus 550 on him to win the drivers championship but it kind of feels like one of those years where everybody doesn't care about the price they're just laying the number on Max
3: If you saw the pr- you obviously saw that price change today we were 350 probably 3 hours ago uh, and and didn't make that move just recently so uh you know like within the last couple of hours so we are now 550 so that's a pretty good move for a day that shows you that you're right they don't care what the price is they're gonna lay.
4: <laughs> uh right, johnny so saying that you're getting a lot of money in on max i know that both ben and i have money on charles leclerc right now at draft gigs <laughs> he's 28 to 1 um Are you seeing any of the bets come in on anyone else aside from Max Verstappen? Given that Rebel has its dominance, are you seeing money coming elsewhere that's sort of going to put you and the Spurs are making a bit of like a concern situation?
3: Yeah, a little bit on the second and third guys. Perez, a little, you know, he's at 10 to 1. We took him up a little, even though, uh, you know, because when you take somebody down, you have to take somebody up. Uh, So... Uh, a little there and a little bit on Alonzo, but besides that, really not, not much. Um, it it seems to be one way, one way street here. I don't blame you for, uh, I mean, I don't know. I wouldn't be betting anybody else
2: right now. We're, Mikhail and I will have that conversation here in a few minutes, Johnny. Uh, before we get you out of here, just crazy to think that when we get to November, it's going to be the heart of NFL season. And then we get the Formula One race, the Grand Prix in Las Vegas returning. It will be in Vegas to end the season. Uh, what do you expect that to, to mean for the handle? And um, and also, just having been in Vegas so long, you, your entire career as a bookmaker, for the most part, I mean, how surreal is that moment going to be when we finally get a major international race right in the heart of the strip?
3: It's amazing, you know, and uh, I'm really looking forward to it. The one thing is that the prices are super high, so, uh, you know, it's, it's going to prevent some people from being able to see the race. Uh, but still, you know, Vegas is now... Seems to be the capital of every v- event, whether it's basketball, football, a- you know, any of now now F1 racing. So we're just, uh, you know, Vegas is th- not only the king of entertainment, king of every other s- sport that exists now, even even eating contests now are in Vegas. So <laughs> we do it all. And so, uh, yeah, I'm looking forward to it. I don't think football is going to distract from this race or this handle. I think it's going to be the biggest event probably for uh, – I, should, I shouldn't say the biggest. It's going to be the biggest for the at least the Vegas bookmakers. For us, I think it's going to be one of the biggest events of the year. Oh no
2: doubt, yeah, And you had uh, the Super Bowl coming to Vegas, <laughs> a couple months uh, after that. Yes, can't uh, cannot wait uh, for that, Johnny. We can't thank you enough uh, for the time here, joining us. It's your your debut spots on the Beeson Formula One Betting Podcast, Johnny. You're ma- a man of many talents. So thanks so much for doing this. It's great to see you as well. And we see you all the time uh, on the network Beeson, but uh, great to get you, great job. To, great to catch up with you, and I'm sure we'll be seeing you again soon.
4: Okay, thanks a lot, guys. Have a good day. Thank you, Johnny Sir. Much appreciate your time. Ben and I will be back after this quick break to talk to you about everything that went down with the race and how things worked out for Aston Martin.
0: If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty, Sports Scandals,
4: Welcome to Veasan's F1 Betting Podcast,
0: the only F1 handicap you'll ever need. Here are your hosts, F1 technical analyst Mikhail Miranda and betting expert Ben Wilson.
2: Yeah, thanks so much again to Johnny Avella, one of the legends in the sports betting industry. As we are back, Veasan Formula One Betting Podcast. Uh, so yeah, Mikhail, what a weird ending where. Fernando Alonso is getting a penalty, and then he's not, and then we're kind of all throwing our hands up, like, "What the, what the hell is happening here?" But you, as as, as one is want to do, Mikhail, uh, you basically what you climbed and dove through all the paperwork released by the FA today. So, what exactly was the explanation there for the hardcore fans in the in the betting markets who want to know what actually happened?
4: So, when I was scouring, when I was watching the race, I thought that he served the penalty incorrectly that was something that he did wrong and uh and but then i just i'm like what he did not serve it wrong from what i looked at a lot of teams a lot of drivers have served penalties that way so i actually went to the fia as johnny said that you can go from the original website and get the classifications for who for where they classify so we know that if you took a fernando alonso top three podium finish that did not cash it was george russell that cashed Right, so now we have to go through. They they released four documents in the span of about four to five hours. So here's the original one, which was the Saudi Arabia Grand Prix car number 14 involving Fernando Alonso and the Aston Martin Aramco F1T. Right, so the stewards reviewed video evidence showing that at the time of the start signal, the control path of the car's left front tyre was outside of the starting box. Now, we know that you're supposed to line up. I know if you cross that line, it's, yes, you, you're gaining an advantage. But here, yeah, his car was a tiny bit off to the left. I don't know how much of an advantage that gives you, but according to the FIA, pretty much a five-second time penalty originally start off. So that was really weird. And then, and then we go and we have a... Fail, failure to serve penalty. That was the second document. And that's where everything came down to what we're talking about. So the fact that came up was failure to serve penalty during a pit stop. All right. So there's going to be a lot of information here. So I'm going to talk to you the gist of it. So this the gist of it is when Fernando Alonso came into the pits to serve his penalty under the yellow flag conditions under the safety car, where you sort of get a free sort of pit stop because it's not as long as the actual race because all the cars slow down they're behind the safety car. So he came into the pit stop and the rear jack of the car was... Uh, the rear jack was touching the rear of the car. According to the rules of Article 54.4C, it says that no jack or anything can touch the car because that would be considered working on the car. And so the jack was on there. But after the race, when that was issued, uh, Aston Martin gave a write of review, support giving video evidence, saying that other teams have done this because you need the front jack to guide the car into the pit stop to the, in the right spot. That's why when you see sometimes the front jackmen, they sort of get flying away. We saw that the launch trail, Lewis Hamilton has done that as well before. It guides the car into where the car should stop perfectly to have the most optimum pit stop. So, of course, you would have the rear jack in there as well to guide the car to make sure everything is all perfect. So the rear jack touched the car. Now, on the safety cars and before, a lot of teams and a lot of drivers have done this, and there has been video evidence that was submitted by Aston Martin to the FIA and to the stewards uh, back at the uh, headquarters in Sweden. So they went through all of that, and they were like, okay, all right, so we are now looking at this right to review, reviewing it, and then they came out and said, we are overturning this decision of adding the 10 second time penalty for serving the original five second time penalty incorrectly because there is evidence there is a precedent that is that exists where you can actually have the jacks touch the car you just can't have anything else that's considered working on the car because the car was not lifted off the ground either all four wheels were on the ground so all of this is very, very sort of annoying as a
2: spectator. F- figure your sport out, all right? Jeez,
4: come on! I man. know this is this is the second really race. Long, okay,
2: I, I sit there with the long explanation, and I'm like, did we really figure anything out other than the FIA? I feel like the, you know, I feel like the takeaways the FIA they just love to they love to be the topic of different conversations. Like they love to just be involved. So that's my takeaway because it all seemed really dumb. And also, they said on the broadcast: all right, maybe it's a penalty, maybe it's not. If it is, it's a five-second penalty, most likely. Why not just give them the five-second penalty like we all thought? Wouldn't have impacted the results anyway, and then it's a done deal.
4: Exactly. That's what everyone was thinking. Like, why are we going through all of this? What is the FIA trying to achieve here? <laughs> and so what are they trying to achieve yeah I, there, uh, there were question. the reasons what, that made the race sort of seem a bit painful but also I'm not going to lie a little bit eventful because we saw at the end the last couple of laps where we thought it was going to be a five second penalty where we saw uh, George Russell crosses the line with a five second and one thousand of a second difference and we were like yes Fernando top three let's go and then no he's got a ten second time penalty Jeez.
2: Well, that was a long. Was, I appreciate the explanation, Mikhail. I'm just saying you did a great job with that. It's just like, come on, FIA. Let's stop being let's stop, let's stop uh, you know being a bunch of uh, reality show artists here. Like, come on. Let's let's just stick to the the real meat. You know, and you come out of the race too, and you go, you know, Mac and I. We were texting uh, Saturday during qualifying. Max has has the drive shaft issues. Has to start 15th. Doesn't really matter. His car is just. I mean, him passing Lewis and Russell were like those guys. They just, they just like looked like uh, you know a swan sitting in the middle of a lake with a speedboat running right by him like they had no no chance at all so max still finishes second and I guess the takeaway is like at, at this point Mikhail is the only real way to bet Red Bull especially if it's max just hope for some sort of calamity in qualifying get a better number on him to finish podium and just go that way because I don't know re- I don't really know at this point how you can you're gonna continuously have to lay over two dollars or three dollars pre-qualifying on max to win a race and unless you get something insane i just don't really see where the where, where the optimal betting is going to be from the value perspective for most people
4: unfortunately betting max now is sort of going to be out of the question because now we see the true pace of the red bull he started in p15 finished p2 and passed every car in front of him like it was nothing he was like just he had butter on his wheels where he was just like sort of sliding through everyone with DRS and everything, right? So we know that the Red Bulls now, they have a pace advantage over everyone in the field. And it's not just a couple of tenths like last year with Ferrari is now a couple of seconds. So this is going to be very impactful. And to find any good value on Max, I don't think it's going to exist anymore because last year he did the same thing. He would start PA, P8, start P10, start a little bit outside the points, but he would manage to win the race or finish on the podium. So we know that what Max has as a driver, his race craft is just so advanced compared to everyone else in the field. And he's so in tune with the car that no matter where he starts in the grid, unless he starts all the way at the back, maybe to get some points and the podium then, but we still might see – I mean, he it's still would brilliant.
2: have finished in the. He could start, he have started twentieth and waited like five seconds, and he still would have finished in the podium. I mean, it what? Like that's the thing. What did uh, I? You know, I had an, an unbelievably busy weekend. I didn't even get to see the odds after qualifying. What was he on the, to finish podium after qualifying Saturday? But was it was it even an enticing price? Because you would you would think maybe on the surface you'd get a better number.
4: I was looking at prices that, uh, but when I was looking at it, the numbers were still not up because that's post qualifying. I was. As you can see, I just moved into my place. I've of been preoccupied with a lot of things. I didn't really get to scale the numbers, but um, I would have thought it would still be around minus 110, minus 105 to be on the podium, given how the, the reigning superior champion of Max Verstappen and Red Bull, what they have achieved this year, especially for the beginning of the season, is is something unimaginable. So I, I see... I would have thought it would be somewhere around minus 110, minus 105, maybe even money, but nothing more than that.
2: For a guy starting in 15th, that is pretty uh, That is pretty unbelievable. So you think about moving forward now. Um, I still, watching this as someone who had the the Leclerc uh, futures bet, just going, well, that ticket looks terrible. Uh, I I, I just enjoyed how uh, Frederick Vassour, the article comes out today, he urges his team to not bullshit itself over the Saudi Grand Prix failure. So thank you, Fred. Thank you, Fred, for being Mr. Realist here. Charles clearly not happy. Uh, not good for Ferrari. That uh, was obviously not a good week for them as the, the two Ferrari. Now Leclerc had the big had the penalty he had to serve anyway, so he started toward the back. But you get signs in Leclerc 6'7". Russell Hamilton, 4'5", Mercedes, still not really looking like the pace is incredibly there, even though Russell drove a, a nice race. Uh, and nothing, Really nothing new to report there, Mikhail, on the Hamilton front, still having a, a ton of issues. And, and really now for Aston Martin, it's like, can you just get Lance Stroll to finish a race? I mean, the pace is obviously there for the car, but Stroll continues to be uh, hard to trust, at least on the other side of the Aston
4: Martin. There was nothing about Aston Martin and Lance Stroll for a couple of days to Tuesday. It was earlier this morning that I saw an article finally pop up where they actually issued a statement about what was the issue. They haven't given specifics. All they said it was the energy recovery system. So that is basically your ERS deployments where the battery takes in electrical engineering so you can have a little bit more pace that you can deploy around the circuits from the battery itself. So Looking at that, that is sort of an easy fix. That, that's all your electronics that you see a lot of teams that sort of fix that, swap that out really fast, and you get to go. There's no issues after that. The one that concerned me, right, is uh, Carlos Sainz also had the same thing. Uh, we had Charles Leclerc take this, a new engine stuff, a new control electronics in the first race. Now Carlos Sainz is taking new... Uh, energy recovery systems, as well. uh There's something going on with Ferrari that's a fundamental issue, and we've got to be able to l- get away from Ferrari now because it, that's going to be a real big issue coming after them because they just don't have any reliability. The other thing where we talk about FIA and how they just like to be in the mix, Logan Sargent during qualifying apparently tracked limits on the last corner where he would have qualified to go into q2 they took away his time there's nothing in the rules that state that that was a you can go over that not nothing that says that it would disqualify you so the fia need to get their rulings in order because we're not going to have this for another season again we had this last season it sort of tipped everyone in scales where they were against the FIA and now the, the FIA is in that again this season. So they've got to get ahead of that. So again, another thing that's positive that I wish we were taking money on that we did talk about uh, Kevin Magnuson points finish.
2: You're right. Well, we t- I mean, we liked him uh, opening race and it didn't work out, but he looked good down, down the stretch. Uh, he looked good. And you think about those teams that were in the definitely, you know, get into the points, but um, you know, Magnuson does really well. Both of the Alpines we talked about. That was my my bet. Uh, Gasly gets there with in a pretty comfortable fashion at the end there. Both Alpines get top ten, which you could find at one point at two to one, closed about a dollar seventy-five. So there were some positives, right, Mikhail to uh, to take away and, and teams that we do feel like are in that bet on category, but it's just more in the midfield, and that's where we're gonna find some value here in the in the races to come. And finding value in those points finishes, especially with having cars among the big teams that like you talk about with Ferrari. And you know, with the Stroll and Aston Martin, maybe maybe there could be issues with those cars mechanically and, and other functionality that could allow some of those other midfield teams to move up more comfortably into the points.
4: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, it's going to be looking at all this stuff. And so, uh, speaking of the midfield, both Alpines had a top ten finish. So uh, when I was looking at the race, looking back at it, Alpine said one thing. They wanted to be above the midfield. They wanted to prove that their car is faster for above the midfield. Uh, we used to include Aston Martin in the midfield pack, but I no longer think they're midfield. I think they're up there to fight the title contenders. So before we used to have three teams, now I believe it's four teams, with uh, Ferrari and Mercedes sort of being on equal terms with their car performance, right? Even though you see Aston Martin and Red and uh, Mercedes are thirty-eight points in the constructors, they're equal terms, right? I do believe Aston Martin outperforms Mercedes, and Mercedes and Ferraris are more on equal terms with their car performance, right? So Alpine said they wanted to be above the midfield and lead that midfield pack. They are doing that. They are absolutely. Doing that, and that that's something good to see because they they were very high on their car. But we saw Pierre Gasly in the first race sort of get his car up there into the points. And this race we had um, both Alpines finish the race, so th- that's good to see. They, they're above the midfield. I just hope they can keep this momentum and sort of gain a little bit more traction to fight now. If we can have five teams fighting up there with the, for the podiums, so that would be really really interesting. But as of right as of right now. Having Red Bull, Aston Martin, Mercedes, Ferrari up there fighting, that's already eight drivers. Your podium sort of is going to rotate around those four, and I think it's going to be between Fernando Alonso, Charles Leclerc, George Russell fighting for that third place on the podium. Maybe Lance Rowe can sprinkle it if it rains, because Lance is extremely good in the rain. Other than that, those are the you can just see the same people pop up on the podium unless something crazy happens to Red Bull, Mercedes, Ferrari.
2: And we're kind of thinking the same. You know, from the points finish, if Alpine keep proving that they've got at least the consistency to be top of the midfield, like you're talking about, Michaela. You know, you go the Red Bulls, the Aston Martins, the Mercedes, the Ferraris, and then the Alpines, and basically it's sort of like maybe one, one or two spots for the points, depending on if something. You know, if, if you have like what Stroll had, an engine issue or you have some sort of crash, it kind of feels like that's the spot we're in right now. Magnuson's the one who gets 10th, but uh, Sonoda was in a really good spot, ultimately just falls out. Uh, Really nobody else, though. Uh, Sargent, for a while, threatened, sounded like he might have been able to make a late push, but uh, ultimately didn't get there. And um, the other teams that you would have thought we're competing for that midfield, like McLaren have just been an absolute unmitigated disaster, and it doesn't look like there's any sign of that turning around, does there?
4: Again, when it comes to McLaren, as I said this before, McLaren knew when they came to the start of the season that their car wasn't going to perform. They knew it was going to be uh, immense pain uh, for the short term because they they knew that last year the car did not work, even though you could see Lando Norris or and bring it up into the point sometimes and consistently where Daniel Ricciardo couldn't. Uh, his teammate replacement now Oscar piastri was actually on par with lando norris's space and actually overtook him in the last final laps so you're gonna you're gonna see these two drivers being the points the moment their car changes as they said they hope to get it in by the Azerbaijan grand prix in a couple of races time so when that new um when, when that new car concept comes in then we'll be able to evaluate where McLaren actually are, because we know they've been building the new wind tunnel. They've had a lot of CFD running time. So they know where their car needs to go. They have the direction they have a plan that, and they're currently working on it. Whereas Mercedes, they know their cars is in championship material. They sort of have a, had an idea, and they are currently not working on it. But, <laughs> so <laughs> what we're going to yeah. see... McLaren and then we can judge them purely on their pace and on their car and then judge the drivers respectively to each other compared to the rest of the midfield because if McLaren produce a concept that's really quick really pacey no matter the downforce package the aero package now where Alpine they always want to finish above McLaren we're going to see this fight because we know last year there was tension with Oscar Piastri uh, coming into the season so we're going to see that fight maybe happen again if McLaren get their concept right okay
2: i just if you know you have a problem from the last year and you don't even like i just don't understand how you could be that idiotic uh going in the long term and by the way that azerbaijan uh, have to wait a couple weeks we have australia so that is next week Uh, mikhail we'll come back next week with a full race breakdown there i guess last thoughts really uh it's you i mean i don't see how there's really a true competition between perez and verstappen for the driver's championship but perez gets the win he's within a point now of Max is is there anything to that? You could get Perez ten to one if you really wanted to, and we know he's got an incredibly fast car.
4: Uh not I'm not touching any more features. As I said in the very first episode, if you believe that Red Bull and Max Verstappen, you could have got them at even money to win. It was a parlay that was existed. I know I gave out the Charles Leclerc and Red Bull at six to one. But there was even money parlay at DraftKings Sportsbook for Max Verstappen to win the uh, Drivers and Red Bull to win the Constructors. If you guys hopped on that, you guys are looking pretty good now because I think that money is going to be minus 250 minus $3. You're going to be putting some heavy, heavy odds on that just to get a good return.
2: Well, I'm with you. that I'm not really... I don't see how there's really a true path for Perez to win the Drivers' Championship. Uh, Red Bull 2500 now DraftKings to win the Constructors, by the way. Um... As Verstappen has gone, Johnny Avella telling us earlier from 350 to minus 550 right now. Uh, but we'll see what happens in race three. Mikhail really, I mean, two pretty clean races, honestly. No crashes, nothing insane. Just a couple of mechanical um, engine issues for for a couple of drivers in each races. And all things considered, I wouldn't say there's been a, a ton of... Su- I think the probably what the biggest surprise is that Ferrari have been absolute crap so far by their standards, right? that's That's really been it. I mean, I know you could go deeper into some of these... Uh, longer shot teams but on the overarching perspective red bull have been absolutely dominant going to be really hard to find value on them going forward it's going to be all about those teams fighting for the final points finishes where we're going to find the value at plus money and outside of that red ferrari have just stunk up the joint so far and there's not and same deal with mercedes
4: yeah those two teams really surprised me with their lack of performance in their cars well technically ferrari do not have a lack of performance they just been unable to get over the reliability issues. which
2: was their issue
4: last year. Yeah, it's not a lack of performance because you can see that car actually does really well. Look at where Charles Leclerc, he had a 10-place grip on starting in P12 and he managed to overpass and overtake a lot of the teams. He did not have uh, penalties and he started well up in the points. So Ferrari's got some pace, not on par with Red Bull, not on par with Aston Martin because, again, I would still say Aston Martin has the edge. They do have some pace, though. Um, Just reliability. That's going to be the downfall. How durable are their cars to get through the season? Because I'm going to be very concerned, maybe before even the season break, we might see a lot more penalties come through because Charles already staking a penalty. So, um Not what yeah. you want.
2: One race into the year. that's That's been the case for uh, for Sean. And I saw him. He was calling out Ferrari uh, this week. So, it's not, not a happy times Uh, there for the the scuderia in the old the old garage mikhail so we'll come back next week australian grand prix very very fun race there's always been a lot of fireworks at this race so looking forward to that next week again a big thanks to johnny avella for taking some time very very busy man the DraftKings sportsbook uh director and uh, johnny was awesome today mikhail we'll see you uh, next week i know you're looking forward to crunching all the numbers again and we go to australia down under a race number three next week